0: Hello, hi everyone. Happy Tuesday. I hope you're doing well. I'm excited to be here for what I think is our last class of content, which is wild. So, today we're going to be talking about creating new pathways dopamine so that we can break up with the dopamine of spending. So that's our default connection right that's our wiring that's the neural pathways that have been reinforced for so long so we're going to talk about breaking that up breaking the cycles and then our last class so let's see in two weeks is going to be our very last class and so that's not going to be any new content that's just going to be a wrap-up class for us to really touch back on the main points the the kind of little golden nuggets from um, all of the classes that we've had before. And so that's going to be a really fantastic summary class for someone who just wants a recap, someone who wants a TLDW, that the right acronym anyway, you know what I mean. Um, And again, of course, this course is designed to go at your pace and no one else's pace, not even my pace, your pace. And so with that, right, you are here to do what is best for you. So if that is skipping around, you are absolutely welcome to do that. If that is not watching any of the videos and just reading the summaries on the Facebook post, you're welcome to do that. If it's reading the handbook, you're welcome to do that. If it is just watching the very last video, you are also welcome to do that. This course is designed for you to go on your path at your pace. Um, so that's what we're here to do, and next week, so two weeks will be the wrap up class, and next week, I'm doing one more coaching session, body doubling session. so you are welcome to pop in. If you have any questions about the content, if you want to body double, work on some stuff together. if you want to take that time to read through some of the materials that I have for the course or a different course that you're taking, you're welcome to do that. Please pop in, please don't feel like you have to. Um, have seen all of the recordings to be able to participate in that coaching class, everyone is welcome. We can talk about impulsive spending. We can talk about life and the universe. So it's all on the table. Okay, let's jump into it. All right. So today we're talking about creating new pathways for dopamine. And I'm going to start with the idea of breaking up with the dopamine of spending. And so... Let's say you found yourself hyperfixating on something that you really, really, really want to buy. I am telling you, go buy it. Go buy it. Go buy the thing with the full and explicit intention of returning it if and when the dopamine wears off. Now, I didn't say... Keep it and post it on eBay in three years. (laughs) I did not say that. I said return it. So that means return it, you know, with the return window. But the idea here the idea here is that the buying, the actual transaction, the purchasing, that is not really the problem, right? It's buying things without self awareness that is the problem. It's buying things as a dissociative nervous system response that is the problem. Buying things because we think, oh, this is finally going to be the, the thing that fixes you. That is the problem. And so there's nothing wrong with hyperfixating. There's nothing wrong with hyperfixing on an item to purchase. And right, hyperfixation, I think we can often resent our capacity for hyperfixation as ADHDers because we've associated the experience with something negative. You know, whether it's shame around spending, shame around our productivity, shame around, oh, I forgot to eat or drink today. All of that can make you feel like, oh, hyperfixation, this must be a bad thing. I need to stop doing this. I need to cut this part out of myself. But I'm telling you, hyperfixation and hyperfocus can be incredibly joyful, pleasurable, fun, and rewarding when we learn to detach the act of hyperfixation and hyperfocus from actually having to buy anything. So when we hyperfixate on things because researching it is very joyful and pleasurable and it's really fun rather than rather than trying to just stop, right? That can be a really lovely experience and I think the more we lean into that, the more we lean into, okay, this is part of my needs. I need to be able to hyperfixate on something rather than trying to stop it. I think is a really key part of any ADHD acceptance journey. And so really, you know, personally, my first step in learning this had to do with recognizing the pattern that I was experiencing over and over and over again. I would buy something and think, okay, this is who I am now. This is going to change my whole life. This will revolutionize everything. I'm going to use this all the time. I, you know, visualizing, yeah, I'm going to buy that Peloton and use it every single day. I'm going to be like a Peloton person now. And then inevitably a couple of weeks later, I would stop using it and I didn't buy a Peloton, but I did buy a spin bike and that spin bike ended up just sitting in the corner for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I'd feel so much shame about it. Like, wait, why am I not using this? wait a minute, I spent all this money, I had this dream, I had this vision, I had this idea of who I would be and how I'd be showing up and I'm not doing that. And that shame would push me away from really thinking about it at all, right? It'd be so uncomfortable that I would not think about it. I just push it away. Don't think about selling it. Don't think about anything. And then just the dust would accumulate. And I would tell myself, yeah, of course, I will definitely get back to using that any day now. And that any day never really came. So on one day I woke up and realized, okay, okay, hold on. I am hyper fixated. I am super hyper fixated on insert whatever item it's it was at that time. And I want this so bad, right? The feeling of wanting and feeling that in my body so strongly. And I recognize that I have this pattern, right? This has happened before. I've lived a couple years now. <laughs> this has happened enough times for me to recognize the similarities and the patterns. So I decided I'm going to buy this and I will intend fully that if I don't find myself using it after X number of weeks or, you know, maybe time a time window before the return period, I will bring it back. I will come and return it. And so I made this deal with myself. And I did it a couple times on my my hyperfixation purchases of like, oh my gosh, this is a thing. I'm gonna be a gamer girl now. I'm gonna be a buy a Nintendo Switch um this is one of the older switches anyway i would do it a lot i would do it quite a lot um but i would have this deal with myself of like okay i recognize this i see this pattern so i'm gonna set this deal up with myself of like if i find myself that the dopamine has worn off i didn't know it was the dopamine at the time but that's really what was going on if the dopamine has worn off i will return this and i did right i would notice wow okay Yeah, I haven't been touching that Nintendo Switch and I paid $300 for it. So I think I need to return this because I'm clearly like the dopamine wears off, right? You get the novelty, you use the thing a ton and then days go by, maybe a couple weeks go by and you start to come back to earth, right? It's no longer this fervent feverish feeling. You kind of come back to being grounded and back to center and you recognize, you know what, this this isn't what I thought it would be. And that is the time to return the thing and bring it back and there's something about this experience that really really solidifies wait a minute okay 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 i can feel this experience of all of this dopamine and it wears off and when it wears off i can take control back and return it again i didn't say keep it for two years and then sell it on eBay because there's way more executive functioning steps in like reselling stuff, in my opinion, than there is returning something. Returning something is enough executive function steps to begin with. Let's not add more to that. But yeah, right. And that felt doable. And, you know, even for the things that I thought like, oh my God, no, this is totally going to be, I'm not going to return this. There's no way this is going to be the one. It would still happen. And again, that experience really helped solidify for me to just break the cycle in my mind of, I don't have to keep experiencing this, buy something, feel shame, push it away, don't think about it, buy the next thing. It was this witnessing, this full experience of, okay, sometimes, sometimes my brain buys things. My brain really, really wants things. But just because my brain thinks that buying this thing is going to revolutionize my whole life does not mean that it is actually true. So this practice, this exercise really helps solidify for me that I am allowed to sit in the discomfort of wanting and not buy anything when it is my choice to do so. Because I know that sometimes my brain thinks that this is going to be a game changer, but I've experienced enough times to know that it's not. And I've taken my control back, my power back, and being able to write return things at the end of it. And I think by returning things enough times, I'm able to sit in this place of, okay, I've been there before, so I don't even need to buy it in the first place. I hope that makes sense. Okay. Um, And then the other thing too, right? So like I said, as, as I've practiced this more and more, it's gotten easier. And by practicing, I've been able to sit in right? That discomfort feeling of like, oh my God, I want this so badly. But instead of just going it and say, ah, oh, screw it. Yeah. I don't think about it. Just buy it. I've been able to kind of reflect me back to the identity work video, the recording that I, that I shared two weeks ago to ask ourselves the really important questions of, is this an item that I really need that meets my needs, my authentic needs? Is this something that is going to fill me up? Or am I trying to fill <laughs> fill up my needs, you know, the needs of my soul with something that's actually very trivial and small, something that's so small that could never truly be enough, right? It's scratching an itch that can't be scratched by something so trivial and small. What like the deeper need, right? Recognizing and understanding what the deeper need is. So what is that something more that I'm seeking? What are my authentic unmet needs? And how can I truly give what I need to myself? Right, All of the work that we have done in the identity work class two weeks ago, that 100% applies here. So really what we're doing is we are breaking up with the lack of consciousness around spending. That, That is the challenge. It's not the hyper fixating that I think so often we think that's where we get into trouble. That's the pitfall. It's not even the swiping of the card. It's that lack of consciousness when it comes to our spending. So to recap, the problem is not that we spend money because we are always going to have to spend money. We live in America. Um, If you're not in America, we live in a capitalist, mostly, world. So we're going to have to spend money. There's no way around that. The problem is not that we hyperfixate because this is actually a really fun and wonderful part of who we are and how our brains work. And the problem is not that we Well, the problem is, the problem is that we impulse buy without that consciousness, right? That, gosh, I hope you know what I'm talking about. It's very hard to describe, but the feeling when you are right in the middle of an impulse buy and you are ready to click the button, you are ready to type in your card information. You're like, oh my God, I have to have this. It's like, you're not consciously thinking. You're not, your feet are not on the ground. You are feverish. You're floating. You're dreaming. You're in a completely different world. You're not thinking any way logically or rationally it's just like go 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 don't think about it just do it just do it it's very impulsive i'm sure you know what i'm talking about if you're if you're here with me um so yeah yeah absolutely um i think we can often hyper fixate to the point of having a very dreamy vision um for the life and the person that we want to be but No amount of external things can create that. No amount of buying something or surrounding ourselves with a hoard of goods and treasure is going to create that for us. It has to come from inside of us. And so sometimes, right, I do think sometimes that buying something new can give us a little push, just like starting a new job or moving into a new space can give us a little push because there's novelty there, right? ADHD brains love novelty. But the thing about it is novelty does not last. That's the whole point of non right? So it is not a long-term solution. It always ends the same way. Okay, and I know, you know, like I talked about two weeks ago, I believe that our hyperfixations and impulse buys tell us very important information about ourselves, our needs, our longings, our desires, the longings of our soul, really. And... That information is very important. It is worth witnessing and it is worth knowing. All right, so the next section I want to talk about your dopamine, not the dopamine, your dopamine. So I think there is a huge, massive difference between following the dopamine and following your dopamine. I'm very grateful to one of my clients who teased this out with me in one of our sessions. We were you know, just bouncing ideas off each other and brainstorming. And we we really figured this out together. And I thought it was so cool. It was a very fun coaching session. But right, I think we've all heard the term follow, follow the dopamine. It's on, you know, it's been on TikTok at least since 2020. That's what, where I've heard of it, of course. And the idea of it, the meaning of this saying is, go do what you enjoy, go find what's fun, exciting, and interesting for your brain and go do that, which sounds lovely. But I think we all know that following the dopamine can look like impulse shopping until we have no more money in our bank account. It can look like buying things that the dopamine wears off after a week and then we're just, you know, it's collecting dust. Um, It can look like impulsively deciding to get a belly button piercing for the second time in your life with your brain telling you, this is a great idea, even though you got one before, it never healed right the first time. And actually it was super annoying and a pain in the ass because it got caught on everything. Hello, that's me. I'm speaking from personal experience. Um, And following the dopamine can look like getting a tattoo that you really never fell in love with. Um, Or even buying a new car because you're, again, looking for something to scratch that itch. You know, and by that, I really mean meet an unmet need that It's not going to, it's not gonna meet. So again, following the dopamine, it feels very hot and heavy in the moment. It feels like there's a lot of impulsivity at play. It's very feverish. It's very, you know, you're not conscious or present with yourself. Your brain's kind of operating on that different playing field, that different level. It's very fired up. It's very go, 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 don't do the thing. Don't even think about it. Just go, 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 do it. And so following your Dopamine is a very different experience. Following your dopamine is about connecting with your inner child and your inner artist. It's about honoring your needs and the regulation of your nervous system. It's about listening to your gut, your intuition. It's about going at your pace, your own pace. And yes, definitely still putting your pleasure and enjoyment and your fun. First, prioritizing that. Yes, absolutely. And resting, also when your brain is telling you to rest guilt-free. It's about listening to the spark, just a little spark of like, oh, I kind of wanna kind of wanna write those those thoughts, those feelings, those words, the little pulls of ooh, that would be cool. Ooh, that's interesting. Ooh, I wonder what that's like. All of those little pulls are following your dopamine. And it's really turning inward and asking yourself, what would feel good right now in this moment? And it's about creating a positive relationship, a positive association with the tasks that you want to do. So cultivating, protecting, pleasant, enjoyable, fun associations and memories with the things that you want to be doing in your life. And most of all, Following your dopamine means loving the shit out of your neurodivergent brain. And so you know when you are following your dopamine, when you are honoring your needs, when you're taking really excellent care of yourself, and when you're in alignment with your nervous system's capacity for both safety and expansion, right? I think we know when something feels challenging but still comfortable and still doable, Just when something feels absolutely terrifying and dangerous and risky. Um, like you know, public speaking, right? For a lot of people, that feels very dangerous and risky. But there are ways to go about it that allow us to continue to feel safe in our nervous system. I can go on a whole tangent, I can make a whole class about that, but anyway, I'll try to stay on topic here. So you get really good at following your dopamine by practicing asking yourself, what is it that I need right now? How can I take really, really good care of myself? What is best for me? And what would make me feel good? What would feel good in this moment? And so contrary to popular belief, I know what you're all thinking right now. Contrary to popular belief, following your dopamine does not mean that you are never going to work ever again for the rest of your life. It does not mean that you are just going to be sitting on the couch, scrolling on Netflix and Instagram and all of the other things and never getting any household chores done or never doing anything quote unquote work, quote unquote productive. It does not mean that, not at all. Um, And you know, I just wanna say like, listen, if you wanna scroll on Instagram all day long, I have no judgment there, like zero judgment because sometimes we need that. Sometimes that is honoring our needs for rest and to decompress and just chill. But sometimes, but sometimes our needs are for rest and to relax. And other times our needs are to actually do the things and to take care of ourselves, right? As a way of taking care of ourselves and the actual scrolling or the TV moment is not following our dopamine. It's a freeze nervous system response, right? We learned about that too. So following our dopamine, right, it's very context dependent. It's only something that we can know inside of us. No one else can tell you, oh, that's what following your dopamine means because it is like literally a little spark, a little pull, this little tiny, ooh, I kind of want to, ooh, that kind of sounds good that comes from in here. And so I like to think of following your dopamine when it comes to getting work done or working through a task list, a to-do list as, Looking at that to-do list as if it were a charcuterie board, a menu of options, not requirements, not demands, options, and asking yourself, what sounds tasty? What textures, what flavors am I craving right now? What sounds like a good place to start? And so maybe your intuition is telling you to try the crackers first and your logic brain comes in is like... No. How could you? Charcuterie boards are about meat and cheese. You can't start with the crackers. That's absolutely ridiculous. What are you thinking here? Right? Okay. Okay, brain. (laughs) Chill out for a sec. I see you. But listen, if we listen to that, we would be completely missing out on the delightful, sensory, delicious experience of those yummy pepper crackers all by themselves with nothing on them. That is not something that any of us want to miss out. I don't want to miss out on that. So that's the idea, right? And so we we do what feels accessible and doable in our brains. We look at the menu of options and ask ourselves, what feels good right now in this moment? And if the task does not feel great, if the nothing on the menu feels absolutely amazing, that's okay. That's completely okay. We can ask ourselves, all right, well, what feels most doable? What feels like the easiest place to start. Maybe I'm not like, oh my God, yeah, I have to try this cheese, this this Gouda, this smoked Gouda is just like the best, but you're just like, okay, maybe I'm not like head over heels in love with this, this cheese plate, but like what feels like the best place for me to start? What feels the most accessible? I love that word, accessible, accessibility, I'm all about it. And when we follow that, we create a task initiation snowball. So you give yourself the dopamine that you need and then everything else starts to flow. And so often we're taught, it's a very neurotypical task management idea. Um, Do the hardest task first, right? Do the hardest task first. And the idea is like, oh yeah, you'll get that task out of the way and then the rest of your day is gonna feel so easy, it's gonna go so smooth because you got the hard thing out of the way. But for ADHD people, if we try to do it that way, We will be stuck and frozen all day long trying to do that big, hard, scary, overwhelming thing and feeling like, oh my God, this is so scary. This is so hard. This is so overwhelming. I can't do this. And then we get to the end of the day and nothing has happened. We have just been frozen all day long. That strategy so often does not work for ADHD people, but what does is exactly this idea that I'm talking about. We ask ourselves, what feels the most doable right now? What feels easiest? What feels like the kind of task that my brain is craving or my brain is in the mood for this? It doesn't even have to be the easy task. It's just a feeling of like, yeah, my brain feels like I could do that. That sounds fun. That's what I need right now. That would give me something that I need right now. And Or even asking ourselves, how can I work on this task while honoring my needs? So. That could look like so many things. That could look like, you know, my brain feels like writing emails today. So I'm going to write some emails, right? You could wake up one day and your brain is like, oh my God, no, no emails, no writing. Oh, that sounds terrible. Let me do, um, you know, file some papers instead, right? Depends on your job, of course. But our jobs always, almost always have variety to them. Um, so yeah, let me, oh, no emails. Let me file some papers instead. Or let me do this big thinking creative work. Or let me do this small picture detail work. Right, our brains have different feelings. Every single day we wake up, we are craving different things. But when we do that, when we do what feels doable, we are giving ourselves the dopamine that we need. We're getting that little hit of like, ooh, cool, I did that thing, that felt good. Good job, go me. And then we do the next one. Um, So yeah, and giving ourselves what we need, you know, maybe that can look like, we've talked about this before, but it can look like writing a challenging email from the coziness of your soft warm bed because that is a comfortable, safe space for you to do that. And that's honoring your needs. Or maybe it looks like working on an Excel spreadsheet while you're playing your favorite comfort TV show in the background for extra stimulation. Like, I love that, absolutely, go for it, do it. Um, And it can also look like, you know, out of your pile of laundry that you have, putting away just your socks or underwear and that's it, just the socks and underwear because that is what feels doable. So we have so many options here. We can get really creative here. So following your dopamine helps you live very expansively. It is the best part of our impulsivity, truly the best part of our impulsivity. And following your dopamine is creative and inspired and it brings out both your inner child and your inner artist, and a lot of joy, truly a lot of joy good things come from it. You're taking really good care of yourself. And I want to say that following your dopamine is a key element in creating new pathways for dopamine. So new options for getting dopamine outside of spending money. When that is the only book in your recipe, it becomes the default. It becomes the go-to. It becomes, again, our neurons, our wiring gets established, and we set grooves here of like, this is what gives me dopamine. This is the thing. And so we have to teach our brains hey, there are actually other options out there. And when we have other reliable options for giving ourselves dopamine, we can break away from the idea that hyperfocus, hyperfixation is dangerous right, that it always leads to spending money, that it always leads to a decreased number in our bank account or whatever else. And we can go enjoy the fun and enjoyment and the pleasure of hyperfixating and hyper focusing and researching that thing that we're super interested in and learning about, watching those videos on YouTube about that content that we love, whatever it looks like, We can do it for the fun and pleasure of doing it and that is it. Cool, so I wanna share with you After I began implementing this practice of following my dopamine, I actually learned how to love doing laundry and doing the dishes. And just, mind you, I was the kind of teenager and adult. I mean, this is a very recent change for me, maybe the last two years, year, two years. Um, But I was the kind of person my whole life that would have so many clothes on the floor that like you could not see the carpet like you couldn't see the floor whatever kind of flooring it was you would not be able to see it I just had clothes everywhere like a clothes explosion and I changed that by recognizing honestly no shame it wasn't really a problem for me but I did change it and how I changed it was by recognizing what laundry did for my brain the feeling that it gave me and really truly protecting all of the positive connections and soci- associations that my brain had around doing the task of doing and putting away laundry. So again, I really, I'm not saying this to try to shame anyone that has piles of laundry on the floor. Like I, I still have piles. Don't get me wrong. I totally have piles. But I think how my brain has changed and shifted to the actual task of doing laundry, where before it was like, this is the worst. This feels horrible. This is terrible. This is like a miserable task that I never want to do ever to, okay, no, I don't want to do this all the time. I don't want to do this every hour of the day. No, but there are moments, there are windows when my brain craves a part of this because I know what it can give me now. I know what it provides me. And I don't want that all the time. But there are times that I do because I'm able to recognize what it gives to my brain, the dopamine that it gives my brain. I'm going to talk about this more. So, right, basically for me, what I've come to discover is doing laundry is really great for my brain when I crave a simple, routine, uncomplicated task that I know exactly how to do that also gives gives me visual feedback, like a visual stimulus of, an organized or tidier space. And I don't mean like, oh my God, it's spotless. Like I might still have laundry on the floor. That's okay. But maybe the pile looks smaller or maybe things look a little bit tidier, right? There's a visual difference there. And also I only do laundry when I feel like doing laundry. So either when my brain is like, yes, that sounds good. Or I'm like, okay. Never when I'm like, oh God, no, I don't do laundry then. I really do not do laundry then. Not in those moments. Only when I'm like, Okay, uh, okay, it has to be at least neutral or at least above neutral. <laughs> so that's basically the moments when there is dopamine there for me. And I ask myself when it comes to that laundry, I look at the pile and I ask myself, what does my brain feel like doing first? And usually for me, it starts off with socks and underwear because those feel really simple and easy and doable I don't have to put anything on hangers I don't have to fold anything I have bins for those so it's like super easy and then I I do that and the pile's gotten smaller and then I ask myself okay what next what does my brain feel like is the next most doable accessible thing and that can change sometimes it's putting away um folded pants sweatpants other times it's hanging up my kind of like baggy t-shirts those are always feel really easy and I keep doing that next most accessible thing right I'll do all the shirts I'll put the pants away and I ask myself okay what next and so sure maybe this isn't the most like efficient way to do laundry but it works for my brain it creates a positive enjoyable experience and also also you know sometimes I look at the pile and it's like oh my god it's so much smaller yeah i can do the rest of that i'm almost there yeah i got this i can finish this off and other times my brain is like no mm -mm. that's enough that is absolutely enough i am done (laughs) i'm done no the laundry is not finished but i am done and we are here to honor both of those answers okay we are here to honor both both equally acceptable both perfectly okay so there are days where i just do a little bit of the pile but that means the pile got a little bit smaller. And most importantly than any of that, I, cr- I protected and I continue to protect my positive association, my positive experience, my memories around doing laundry. And that is how we create any sustainable habit when we have ADHD, when we are neurodivergent. We have to protect the good. We have to have way more positive experiences than negative ones. And that's how we get our brains to do things sustainably, consistently, persistently, 100%. Cool. All right. So the next thing that I want to talk about is exploring more into this idea of hyperfixating on purpose. I know I've talked about it a little bit before um, today, but I want to talk about it even more. And I'll start off by saying that I really believe that there is a big difference between physical rest and mental rest, at least for, I can't really speak for neurotypicals, but I can certainly speak for ADHD people, myself, my clients. Physical rest means that our bodies are tired, right? Maybe we need to sleep a couple more hours. Maybe we need to take a nap. Maybe we need to just chill on the couch and just like relax. But mental rest is an entirely different experience. Mental rest can look highly physical. It can look like rock climbing. It can look like hiking, look like going on a nature walk in the park, going on a run, absolutely. It can look like doing a puzzle. It could look like playing a video game. So maybe it isn't highly active, right? It can vary, it can absolutely vary. Um, Maybe it's reading a really good book or scrolling on Reddit. <laughs> right? It can look like many, many, many different things. And the only way to really know what mental rest is for you is very similar to following your dopamine. It's a similar question, it's a similar exercise. It's asking yourself, what do I really need right now in this moment? In fact, it, it's exactly the same question. That is mental rest when you are neurodivergent. So it's hyper, it's it's following our dopamine. And mental rest for ADC years can also look like hyper focus or hyper-fixating on something, something new that we're learning or a new interest or a new field of, you know, existence that we're interested in exploring. That can look like mental rest too. And I've had so many clients come to me wanting to stop hyper-fixating, wanting to stop hyper-focusing, wanting to cut that part of themselves out. And I will tell you, we cannot cut that part of ourselves out. That is our biology. That is our brain wiring. That is not something that we can just turn off like a light switch. Absolutely not. Hyperfixation is part of our neurodivergence. It is part of our ADHD. And it's part of who we are. But we can, what we can do is we can intentionally create space to hyperfocus for the pleasure of doing it. Without having to pull out our credit cards, and I'm going to use hyperfocus, hyperfixation interchangeably here. But I know I've talked about the difference between them earlier um, in this course, so just roll with me here. So I believe, I fundamentally believe that it is very important that we give our brains space and time to hyperfocus and hyperfixate, and we are allowed to do it just because it is stimulating, it is fun, it's engaging, it's challenging, it's enjoyable, it's Pleasant. And we are allowed to do it simply because it is pleasant and enjoyable. And the more that we give ourselves permission to engage in hyperfocus and hyperfixation, the less power it has over us, right? The more we try to say, Oh my god, I need to stop, I need to stop, I need to stop, the harder it is. Right. Because we're not accepting, right? We're not embodying acceptance at that point. We are We're not. We're absolutely not. And I think that that's not a space that we're really able to to make change because there's too much shame there. I've talked about this plenty before. We cannot change when we are sitting in shame. So there is a lot of dopamine in spending money, impulse buying, online shopping. Yes. Shopping and spending is an easy, convenient way to get dopamine. Absolutely yeah (laughs) but there's a lot of dopamine and other paths too and the more we're able to become sensitive to dopamine receptive of dopamine the more we're able to seek it out in a variety of places and spaces the more you know we find other activities to engage in um the less that we have to rely on shopping again with that being like our default or go to the only book in the recipe we have to create more recipes we have to show our brains that there are more actions out there for us and we we do that again by practicing following our dopamine we get we get better over time at giving ourselves dopamine and meeting our needs so yeah it's about the practice of asking ourselves What would feel enjoyable for my brain right now in this moment? That is a really, really valuable and incredibly important question. So you can create space and time to allow yourself to indulge in hyperfixation, to indulge in hyperfocus. Coming into it with the intention of doing it for the pure and simple pleasure of doing so, right? Have fun. Enjoy yourself. Have it be a good time and know that it's nothing to do with spending money. It's not about that. You're doing it for the pleasure of hyper-focusing. It's not about spending money. It's not about, oh, let me get to this end result, this end outcome of swiping my credit card. It's not about that. It's about the actual act of hyper-fixating. Yeah, because I think in truth, right, the dopamine that we're actually getting from this whole experience from this whole process the dopamine comes from the hyperfixation it doesn't come from exchanging dollar bills it doesn't really come from swiping a credit card it's it's truly there's so much more dopamine in hyperfixating hyperfocus than there can, you know and that's that's the experience right we get the thing the novelty wears off we deflate right oh okay that really wasn't what i thought it would be all of the dopamine, the majority, I would say the majority of the dopamine, 90% of the dopamine is truly in the the beginning stages, right? So like seduce yourself, enjoy, have fun with it, hyperfixate, hyperfocus, and enjoy every minute of it, truly. Okay, that is this chapter. So we're talking about breaking up with the dopamine of spending by finding new alternative paths learning how to follow our dopamine, not the dopamine, but our dopamine. And I I don't know if you can hear my dog, but she's (laughs) she's having a little a dream. Um she's very cute. Okay, awesome. Awesome. So now let me recap our exercises and reflection questions. So this can be a journaling prompt or it can just be something that you ask yourself. What would it feel like if you hyperfixated for the Pure joy, the pure joy of it. How would this change your relationship to hyperfixating? And in what way could you use hyperfixation, hyperfocus on something you're interested in as a purposeful tool in giving yourself dopamine? Second one buy yourself something that you really, really, really want with the explicit intention of returning it if and when the dopamine wears off. So if you find that the item that you bought is just sitting in a corner somewhere after a couple days, weeks unused, that is a sign that the dopamine has worn off. Um, Or even if you just hit the point where you say, you know what, I don't think, I really don't think that this is working out the way that I thought it was. I don't need this as much as I thought that I did. That tells you that the dopamine has worn off and it, is time to return it and get your money back. And so this exercise teaches you, teaches your brain that buying and spending does not equal dopamine. It breaks the cycle. And it's very important. I we to say it's very important to use all the techniques that we worked on before here, right? Emotional regulation, nervous system regulation, um, I, the identity work section where we ask that question of what are what is this? telling me about my unmet needs. All of those are really, really valuable here. Um, and please, <laughs> please don't buy something that you have to. I know I said this earlier, but please, 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 do not buy something that you have to resell online. Because again, there's way too many executive function steps. If you are somebody that you know yourself and the steps to even going to return something within the window is too much to executive function demanding, listen to your gut listen to your intuition don't do it don't do it just because i said to do it don't do it and trust yourself always trust yourself over me over anything that i say if it doesn't align if it doesn't fit if it doesn't feel right let it go it's not for you and that's okay um and also please don't if you're going to do this please don't buy anything that would be a tremendous financial burden if you didn't hit it in the return window right don't do that that's just you don't need to do that use your discretion start small But again, I I know I talked about this before. I think this exercise in returning after the dopamine has worn off can really reinforce, number one, your own power and autonomy. But it can reinforce the experience of like, wait, this has happened before. I remember this. My brain and my body remembers this. It can help you kind of register the experience so that when the pattern happens again with the next thing, you recognize, wait, I've been here before. I don't need to do that whole thing. I don't need to do that again. I'm good. And then the last one I want to share with you is to try a no buy. So you have the tools, right? We have gotten through this entire course. It's time to use the tools. So decide on a number of days, um, no longer than a week is my recommendation where you will limit your discretionary purchases. And so it can look very different. It can be done in so many different ways. It's really about what you think would be best for you so some people like to do a um a no buy for online shopping other people like to do a no buy um for everything except right the essentials groceries gas utilities bills stuff like that um you might want to do a no buy for maybe a niche um special interest that you have or a niche hobby that you have that you've been hyper fixating on a lot lately (laughs) so a no buy for maybe crochet yarn or for me um, it'd be a no buy per, for perfumes because I've been very, very hyper fixated on perfumes lately. So by doing this no buy and again, start small, set yourself up for success. But it could just be like, it could be hours if you need it to be hours like you do you. But having a no buy can really enforce the feeling that it is possible to take a break to break up with the the dopamine from spending. And then the last one, so I know in the last class, I asked you to do a solo date to follow your dopamine. Now, if you haven't done that, this is the time. This is 100% the time. Take yourself out on a solo date to go follow your dopamine. Um, Do truly whatever your brain feels like doing. So maybe it is resting on the couch. Maybe it's going to take yourself out to a movie. Or going to take yourself out to a lunch spot that you've been dying to try and you've been wanting to try it for weeks or months or a year or multiple years and you still haven't gone. Or go explore a park that you've always, right? The kind of wanna, ooh, I kind of wanna, that pull. just the little tiny, the little tiny spark of like, ooh, I kind of want to do this. That is what you want to follow. And go do that. Go do it go do it and have the best time and truly right the more you engage with this the more you ask yourself that question of like what do I feel like doing right now in this moment what does my brain feel like doing what would feel good to my brain right now the more receptive you become to what gives you dopamine and just remember your dopamine is not a fevered frenzied fiery thing that begs you to not think about the consequences your dopamine is very different your dopamine is self-nurturing, it is joyful, it is aligned, it is a pleasurable, delightful kind of craving of like, oh, that would feel so good. Oh, that would feel so lovely. It's that kind of feeling. It's not like a "Ah," kind of feeling. It's a "Ah," kind of feeling. It honors your inner child and your inner artist and if you have any questions if you're confused about like oh how do i distinguish between following the dopamine following my dopamine what is my dopamine please 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 jump on the coaching call next tuesday um i would love to talk to you about that or post in the group right you are always 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 welcome to post in the group and i just want to recap also this course has no close date so if you are working through these modules I don't care. Five years from now, ten years from now, three years from now, three months from now, I really don't care if you are working through this material, whether it's the the handbook or the videos or whatever else, and you're like, oh, I'm kind of stuck here. Oh, I'm not really sure what she means here. I'm gonna be here. This group is gonna be open. So please post. You're always welcome to reach out to me and I'm happy to help. Okay, this is lovely. Um, thank you so much for watching. Thanks for being here, and I will see you guys next week. Bye.